0: From Hong Kong, this is Mea Kupa, the Lessons Learned from Startups podcast, based upon the postmodern conference, where founders, investors, lawyers, and mentors share their stories about working on, with, or for startups. Today, we have Colin Hayhurst. Colin Hayhurst is the founder of Mojik, a privacy-first search engine. Welcome, Colin.
1: Good evening, Jeffrey. Nice to talk with you.
0: Colin, you're in London? Or at least in England,
1: uh, very close to London, yeah, just south.
0: Okay. Uh, so for you, while we're recording, for you, it's very early morning. What was the first thing you did this morning when you woke up uh, in your startup journey life? Uh, what is it? How does your day normally start?
1: Oh boy, um, I I came uh, commuted across the house to uh, the office and and checked uh, the monitorings that we have on. Uh, um you know things that come up on Mojik, um you know some alerts and see if there's something that needed immediate action uh, obviously we we have users across the whole globe, so all time zones so and there's just seven of us, so we don't have you know we don't I mean, we don't have people in all all the time zones obviously okay um
0: can you tell me a little bit about Mojik? what does it do and where did the the idea or the at least the start of Moji came from?
1: Yeah, so I guess the first thing to clarify is I'm not, I'm not the founder, I'm the CEO. Um, uh, Mojik is a, a search engine, and when we say, I want to emphasize that it's a real search engine. So most of the so-called search engines aren't search engines, they're search services where they're actually using uh, the search results and often the ads provided by just a very few search engine companies, of which there's very few. In fact, I might even name all of them. So there's Google, Bing, Yandex in Russia, Baidu, Sogo in China. Uh, There's Gigablast in uh, New Mexico, which is one guy, and there's Mojik in the UK. Um, They're the only uh, search engines that are kind of covering, I suppose, you know, um, looking to cover internationally. Um, Actually, we're just English language, but, um, you know, so are some of the others um so what's uh so is um a search engine we crawl the internet we index uh, web pages and we provide search results so obviously that's uh you know a big job um but our founder mark actually started this project back in 2004 as a hobby um, and actually in 2005 he realized that there was a, a need for a, a search engine which was provided provided privacy so so he made the decision you know when he basically when he uh, opened up the service for users to actually make it private he wouldn't track anything other than basically the search queries and and some simple metrics like you know what country queries coming in from and he's stayed with those principles ever since um and so he's been on a yeah, what well, now has, you know, 16, 17 year journey now to actually build a search engine, keeping to those principles. And um, it's pretty, pretty much built everything up from scratch himself written uh, every, uh, you know, well, until recently uh, he'd written all the code um, and uh, we've only used, he only uses uh, the curl uh, open source. Um, everything else is written from the ground up. So we're uh, kind of independent with the only thing we don't have is our own data center. So we're actually using a UK's green data centre, and but the servers are our own, and the whole software stack is our own. So, so we're actually um, when we talk about uh, uh, re- real search engines, as I call them, we're actually, in fact, we're the only search engine which doesn't track uh, users. Um, and so, uh, so that's what we, uh, you know, that's the the value we provide. And Mark actually. Um, He's raised money from people. He's never gone out to raise money, but he's raised money from people. who Kind of put uh, faith in him, backed him for the long term. Uh, but this the start of last year, he raised a large round from a one single investor, who um, and said, "Look, Rocky, look, I want you to, you know, to take this to market now and build a business." So, so he put some money in, and, and a large chunk of money, in, and then basically one of the, f- the first tasks was to find a CEO. Um, and which was which was it's obviously to me, and the investor then followed in with another uh, round. <clears throat> so we're now sort of going to market, if you like, um, and uh, you know my role is to build out the the business model for that and uh, turn it turn this into a sustainable business.
0: Okay, mojik is very focused on uh, privacy. That is a uh, an issue as as we know it, but. 2004. Then at that point, a lot of people were not thinking about that, right? What's right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What was Mark's uh, background where uh, that he said at that point, like, "Hey, I want, I have to do this because uh, this Mm -hmm. is going to be an issue in the future."
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, uh, there's two answers to that. I think, firstly, you know. I mean I knew about Mojik a few years ago and frankly I'd heard about it and uh, I was offered an introduction to Mark and I didn't know him, and thought the guy must be crazy right taking on taking on Google right um and but actually he's not crazy at all he's actually you know having I mean, worked with him now closely for uh for nearly a uh, year he's um I mean he's really a visionary guy and you know he saw that you know that vision back in 2005 you know which is very early but um the second answer is you know he just you know he was looking at search queries and and so, you know these searches people surely don't want you know you know they want to be doing them in private so he made that de- he made that decision early on when they obviously you know he did a lot of searches he could watch them going across the screen right so you know he's held with that vision ever since um, so I, you know I think he's um, uh, you know he's he's actually. Um, you know i wouldn't say he's a private person himself but you know he's he's not interested in he's got no kind of ego really he's just not he doesn't he's not interested in a public profile i mean part of part of my job description is basically to to be the front of the for the company because you know you really does not want to do that because you just got no interest in in actually uh you know having a i mean you can find him you know out there in public he's got profiles and things but he's not active on social media or anything at all so so i guess it's a combination of those, those three things okay
0: Okay, there are of course like, especially now, privacy is uh, way more of an issue, or uh, at least on the top uh, top of mind of a lot of people. So, what I uh, what I hear is that also other people using like services like uh, DuckDuckGo and 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 other search engines. Um, just a quick comparison: mm. why uh, why use Mojik and not yeah. everybody else?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question, and you know, obviously, people um, kind of homing on uh the privacy aspect that we provide and that was kind of the marks you know initial sort of ideas and vision back you know before anybody else had these ideas but you know um we see uh taking the business forward and we see that uh, the situation is you know much more than that it's not about just about privacy it's about kind of, you know, liberty from big tech, autonomy, your know, innovation. I mean, if we look at Google, you know, there's, you know, obviously they did an amazing job. I mean, I was using, a user of AltaVista a long time ago. And when Google came along, yeah, I mean, they made a, their search engine was great, but, you know, they haven't done a lot of innovation on the search for a, a long time. Um, and only if you've got a search engine in the full stack can you do those type of innovations. So we've got some innovations which were, Working on which you know will be new, which you know companies like Douglas Go and Quantico's your start page won't be able to do because they're they're basically getting their results well mostly from Bing uh, start pages from Google, so they they have to take um, you know the search results that they're announced that they're provided by those those companies. Um, but you know I think there's uh, also there's uh, there's the there's a lot of choices are made in, in actually, you know, how you um, provide search results. So, you know, I think it's, I mean, our view is, is that there should be, you know, plenty of choices of of, of search uh, uh, results. And, and that would be better served by having more search engines. Because um, if you know, if you're taking results, as Google do from from Bing, for instance, you know, you're taking there, you're having to accept the ranking uh you know the indexing that microsoft are making and the ranking that they provide uh you know whereas what we can do is we can you know we, we can actually um we can um we you know if you use me you'll get very different results from from google and and, and bing and go and start and all those um and so it's you know it's crazy to have you know essentially we've almost got a monopoly in uh you know english language um speaking countries with with google um obviously different in china right but the um you know why should one algorithm kind of rule our view of the world you know google's ranking algorithm is is actually uh, has a huge not so obvious influence over um society you know i mean people are very well aware now of facebook and what well, that's meant for democracy and so on, but you know, it's it's quite it's not quite so obvious as to what influence the uh, ranking done by and choices made, uh, made by Google engineers uh, has on society. So you know, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it would be great if there were you know more companies there that were search engine companies like ourselves.
0: Uh, I also know that uh, Mojik and now indexes over three billion pages. Uh, any chance how? much of a percentage that is of the the world wide web we call it.
1: <laughs> yeah i don't think anybody knows the answer to that question i mean there's um google aren't also um uh, not transparent at all about what they index although there's they're having to disclose some of this information now to governments as the uh regulators come in um i mean there you'll see different numbers i mean if you look at google's um kind of statements in the past they talk about Indexing trillions of pages, but I, but I don't I don't believe that's true at all. There's some independent studies that um, academics have done. Actually, a, a Dutch uh, uh, researcher actually did, and that was um, something saying it was around 80 80 billion um, that Google do. But uh, the CMA, which is the UK government regulator, have got some collected some evidence from Google, which nobody else has seen. I believe, and and are they're saying it's uh, somewhere around you know uh, um, three hundred, three hundred. I can't remember the actual number. It was around three hundred billion, um, if I remember right. Um, so it's that kind of scale. So you know, so at the moment, we're, yeah, we're only indexing uh, like one percent of what Google are doing. But um, Bing uh, are doing. I think if I remember the number that the CMA said was about eighty, eighty billion. You know, in the same study. So Bing are actually, um, yeah. I might get my numbers wrong. It's like you know, a quarter of the uh, size of the index of, of Google. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's the kind of numbers that we're, we're looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. OK. Before Mojik, you also had an entrepreneurial experience, right? But also at that point, uh, you had uh, some uh, angel investment experience. Can you tell me a little bit because i on your profile you say I'm not doing any angel investments anymore? Mm-hmm. What was your decision not to do angel investments?
1: Uh yeah, so I didn't I didn't do a lot of angel investments. I did two two investments actually. Um, um but because it that was on my profile, I am constantly getting bombarded by people who even though I say I don't do them, they still contact me. I guess I got on some database somewhere. Um uh so why did I stop? i mean basically I stopped because i mean actually so i had a a company which i kind of co founded back in the eighties which we bootstrapped uh and had a, uh, a really great exit in two thousand and five and had some money from that uh i didn't i didn't you know um i didn't have enough money from that to do the things that I want to do in terms of you know um supporting my family and and so on to to actually um comfortably say you know, I can make ten investments, which is you know kind of what the the, uh, the general thing is, and you know you need a portfolio, right? And um, I you know making ten investments would have been a bit uncomfortable. So, so um, but however, you know, I, I wasn't going to make any investments at all. Um, so I actually um, uh, yeah, cut a long story short, I ended up making two small investments. Um, and really there were there were more cases of the kind of two were two sort of young entrepreneurs who I just thought were absolutely amazing and I just wanted to kind of help them to be honest uh, as much as anything so uh, but yeah before that the sort of five years after I sold the the first company I spent you know five or six years or so helping um, on startups raise investment money uh, set up an angel group I was mentoring lots of founders you know helping do business plans and pitches and so on so You know, and that was at the time, uh, very much at the time when the uh, startup, uh, the startup ecosystem was starting up in London. So saw the rise of that, and it was a very interesting time. Um, And yeah, so I made those two investments, and then um, I mean, would have made any more, maybe not. But basically, uh, could long story short, I got involved in one of those two investments because I had to, uh, because it turned out actually. So the second investment I made was. A couple of young guys and the guy who's do, uh, looking out at the business the business side um, the marketing side he turned out to be uh, he had his hand in the till so we had to yeah, so we kicked him out and then uh, so and, and James the uh, technical guy said well you know um, so what we're gonna do now I said well okay I'll I'll, I'll come in and um, I'll work full-time on the business uh, and uh, and and that was it so I was then full-time again working on that Um. And then that was an interesting journey, which led to, you know, what I'm kind of doing now in a funny, funny way.
0: So you are an angel investor in the startup, one of the business co-founders, I guess, at that point, uh, wasn't performing. Uh, so that one had to leave the company and you stepped in. What was that for like the experience? Like, uh, how do you <laughs> go about Because was there, yeah. was there a co-founder agreement? Was there mm. like, uh, how did the discussion go?
1: uh it was pretty horrendous to be honest i mean fortunately uh, i mean i don't know how i would have been able to deal with it if i'd not had to deal with it before and so in my previous company i'd had the same uh ca- can we say kind of character um uh you know uh my um, so uh i worked with another guy who'd had put his hand in the till and we'd had to get rid of him um uh so that was you know uh, it was like kind of ten years beforehand, so I'd been through that process, and which was even more torturous. And um, but you know, I learned a lot from how to deal with um, such difficult people through that uh, lesson. And so you know, I was I, I was able to deal with it fairly clinically in in uh, this case. And it was very early. I mean, literally, what happened was there was there was two young guys, and basically they came to me, and said, "Look, we've got this idea. Can you help us raise some money?" Uh, i said well look, there's this 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 small government grant fund you you, know, you can apply for i think you uh I'll, I'll if you like i'll write the application for you uh because it didn't do a lot of effort and you know me supporting it will help you and if, if you get it then i'll 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 um co-finance it because it's co you needed to to co-finance it and to my surprise we got the grant so i had no choice <laughs> so i had to put the money in and then literally i mean literally we got the money I put my money in uh, even before we got the money from the grant, government grant, and uh, literally within days, uh, the guy who was kind of you know uh, the founder CEO was actually taking out money out and spending it on his uh on his peccadilloes. Um, so you know spotted that. Uh, I mean I can't remember. It was literally like it might have been two weeks. Um, spotted very quickly and realized what was going on, and realized. You know, I I don't really spotted it was you know some of his behaviour was a bit strange. I'd seen it before, so we dealt with it just really quickly. But it was difficult because we didn't have all the agreements in place, and we actually had to, um, yeah. I mean, it's a long story, but um, um, we I managed to get his shares back off him, and um, we all sorted out cleanly. And and uh, you know, he was not happy at all. But uh, you know, he got what he deserved. I mean, he was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a. Uh, there's a lot more stories there, but we if I hadn't had the previous experience of that, it would have been, I mean, it would have been, it probably would have all fallen apart.
0: Yeah, because two weeks is uh, quite short indeed. Uh, and sometimes you hear stories uh, about that that goes on for months, maybe even years yeah. uh, before yeah, you yeah. find out. Okay, kudos for you. Then with one of your uh, companies, uh, you also went through uh, Y Combinator
1: yeah so that was the same company so what happened so 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 um um i so i uh, went then full-time you know within literally just starting we got uh with james uh james was actually a school kid from dundee um and we um so we focused on building a product um which was called at that time it's called stack blaze and it was basically um um it was a Infrastructure products. So it was like Heroku for PHP, but this is before Heroku was doing PHP. They were just doing Ruby at that time. And uh, so we saw a gap in the market. And James was, uh, James is an, I mean, James is an incredible developer. He'd been developing since he was nine or something. And, you know, he knew more about PHP, you know, as much about PHP as anybody. And so he wanted to build some, you know, something like uh, Heroku from PHP, but from the infrastructure layer. So it was something like, you know, uh, it's more like an EC2. Uh, Amazon EC2 web you know web services for for PHP applications and so we built that and I you know, he did the coding uh, I did it you know kind of everything else and we launched that and we got you know quite a quite a decent uh, um, you know proof if you like a uh, beta users we weren't charging but it was kind of proof with some traction and uh, quite quickly um, uh, you know after we launched the product and that kind of led to us uh, getting into Y Combinator off the back of that um so yeah so we and we uh so we went through Y Combinator which you know we can talk about that was a pretty brutal experience to be honest um but we um what happened with that so that was going well and we um again to cut a long story short we we were hit by a uh a, a big uh a big problem with that which is that we were because we were selling uh infrastructure um uh, we we needed to to buy IP addresses, and so the data center that we partnered with, uh, we were using their their servers, and you know setting of our our, uh, our stack on there in virtual machines, and we wrote a new hypervisor. And uh, but we needed to buy IP addresses, and the uh, data center company a company called OVH, which is a very big French company, they changed their policy literally overnight and wouldn't sell us IP addresses. Um, uh, it was nothing to do with us. It was just a, a, a change by the, you know, policy change at the company overall. But that kind of, uh, that was, uh, that hit us very hard. You know, basically we couldn't, we couldn't sell our software, right? Because we couldn't get the RP addresses. So that, that, and that basically, it didn't kill us instantly, but that was the the fatal blow, if you like, which we, ne- we never recovered from. Um, you know, we actually, James and myself got very stressed out and we tried to build, we pivoted, tried to build another product, but really that was, that, that um, that blow really knocked us out we never recovered from and eventually we said look you know we're we're both getting too stressed out let's shut down the company uh, return the money that was left which uh, to to the investors and uh, let's shut it down and move on which is what we did
0: it's quite interesting uh, because quite often when people uh, shut down the company, they do that at the end of the runway, right? You had uh, issues with acquiring IP addresses. I guess it was also because the there weren't that many IP four uh, addresses available at the point, and probably IP six was not really uh, uh, de- deployed back then, you know, or maybe not compatible with your uh, with your platform.
1: No, no that's, that's absolutely correct, except that we, we IPv4 was running out. Um. So, but we we had to be able to support IPv4 or we couldn't, you know, uh, you need to provide that, uh, have those addresses to provide the service. So mm-hmm. yeah,
0: that, that
1: mm-hmm. was exactly the issue. And we knew that was going to be an issue. We just, we expected it to be an issue like, you know, f- three, four, five years down the stream, but it suddenly hit us. So.
0: And then you tried to pivot, but... Uh, yeah. What made you decide at that point, while well, you were still mm-hmm. having uh, obviously some money in the bank, some mm-hmm. uh, some random left that you say, like, hey, like this is not going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's uh, let's put an end to this and uh, and let's return the money because that yeah. is probably not a very easy des- decision to make.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, we probably should have um, we, you know when we returned the money, it wasn't left lot left. Uh, <laughs> if I'm honest. um we probably should have. Um, you know, uh, stopped uh, at that point and not tried to do the pivot. Um, we'd returned a bit, uh, quite a bit more of the money—not a huge amount, but quite a bit more—and we wouldn't have wasted. You know, I can't remember what it was now. Another nine months, I think it was. Um, you know, struggling on, um, but you know, it's not—it's so, easy. You know, we were, we were, yeah, you know, we wanted to um, to give it a shot, uh, another shot, so. I'm sure the investors were happy for it to give another shot. You know, there's no no complaints from them at all. So, um, yeah, you know, it could have that could have worked out. But I think it, you know it was uh, it was particularly hard for James. I mean, he was very young, right, and he was taking all the technical load. Um, he's building a very ambitious product, um, and you know, I think he's um, it, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you know, your health, health's more important than the money, right? So, so I think. Uh, did the right thing but you know in hindsight perhaps we should have shut it down earlier and i think james will probably say the same
0: Hmm. what was the reaction of the uh of of the investors did they basically in hindsight had the same reaction you should have closed earlier no
1: no 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 they're fine oh thanks for that's very uh thanks for letting us know and uh, appreciate you sending the money back which is i didn't say it's peanuts to us but it is i mean you were talking about Andres and Race and Horovitz uh, and SV Angel and stuff, right? So it's, I mean, they, you know, they they're doing portfolio investments. So they were in our Y Combinator batch. they were eighty-two companies, and they they didn't even speak to all of us, you know. They're, um, they've, I mean, they've done very well because actually, it turns out, even though that at the time that batch was known as the the batch that broke uh, YC because we it got too big and they cut down the size of the uh, program that you earn on the next uh, cohort. It's actually turned out like 10, well, it's now, let's see, um, nine years later, it's actually looking like the most successful batch ever, fully enough. But, you know, it's, um, so they've done well. I mean, they've, you know, a batch, there's um, Coinbase, there's Zapier, Instacart, uh, Clever, Mattermost, you know, so there's, it's actually looking like it was one of the most successful batches ever. So they, so the investors have done fine, right? Okay.
0: Like quite often, you hear uh, founders talk about uh, YC and trying to get in there. Um, uh, it's it's the top program uh, mm-hmm. in in the world. Uh, from your uh, experience being in there, uh, basically at that point, uh, build a product, um, had to close it down. Uh, is there still, as of today, uh, any like? Uh, network or alumni network that you can uh, build upon, or is that all gone uh, by the time you close the company?
1: Uh, you know, no. no the, the network is 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 there and it's useful. I mean, it's it's actually. I haven't tapped into that network since I finished YC until actually uh, recently when I rejoined Magic, and there's been you know there's been. Um, There's been a couple of occasions where it's been useful to tap back into the network. I mean, essentially, I kind of moved away from startups. I was kind of burnt out with it and went off to do technology transfer in universities. So, and a few other things. So... So I didn't really have a, you know, uh, a need to engage with it. I mean, you can, so that network's there, um, you know, but it's a big network of people and people are, successful people are busy, right? So you can't, you know, just because you got the network there, you're not necessarily going to uh, to reach people. But uh, yeah, it could be, you know, it's it's certainly been, you know, a little bit helpful already in Mojik, and it'll probably, I can imagine it will be in the future. Um, so there's a, <clears throat> Yeah. So that it's, I think, you know, network, you'll know, um, any entrepreneur will understand that networking's, um, you know, uh, a key thing, um, you know, to being able to network effectively has got, a, it's got to be a, a big part of any entrepreneur's skill uh, and, uh, you know, privilege, if you like. I mean, so, you know, privilege to have been through IC, although it was brutal at the time, uh, I didn't, uh, we didn't particularly enjoy the experience and, it, you know, it was kind of interesting Um you know, it's a kind of a privilege to have been part of it. Um, I mean, I, I was a bit um, funny experience for me was that I this sounds a bit arrogant, really. But, you know, I didn't learn a lot from the experience going through YC because, I, you know, I'd already been, um, built a company and bought companies and exited a company and help, helped other com- uh, startups. Um, I mean, what I did learn a, a lot about was Silicon Valley culture. Uh, and startup thinking. Even though I've been traveling to California for twenty odd years, I really, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't really part of the, uh, well, certainly the internet uh, startup scene. Um, but uh, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a great program. Some incredible people on the uh, were on the program, and uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's a privilege to be part of it. But um, it was a kind of a mixed experience for me. <laughs> okay
0: um yeah you, you also turned uh, touched upon a little bit about ip commercialization from uh, from universities mm-hmm. uh, how did you end up there and how did you yeah see that uh, is there things still uh, mm-hmm. s- still to do um, uh, uh, is it something because you quite often hear about it and sometimes you hear mm-hmm. uh spin-offs from uh, from, from universities But especially when a dormant IP waiting for a application, do you Mm -hmm. see some uh, uh, some uh, some progress there, or should there be more effort to uh, to bring that into market, or is that a lost cause?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on this topic, right? Um, I mean, I've got got some some uh, interesting views on this. I guess I mean, I've done two periods working doing university tech transfer, and it's uh, it's a very particular and difficult challenge. I mean, you've got the problem is that you've got universities are you know, IP rich and and totally risk averse. You know, they're, room, they're very bureaucratic, political, run by committees and so, you know, it's like uh, oil and water. Um, so it, to do um, you know, do, doing spin-outs from universities is is uh, has got all sorts of different challenges and uh, difficult challenges and there's a lot goes wrong there's a lot could be done done better but um yeah we could have a whole podcast talking about that i mean i might why, you asked why i got into it i got into it because i've been the first company i did is we were doing you know we were doing r&d work uh, i actually did a part-time phd i mean my my kind of technical my expertise i suppose is in kind of algorithms building you know algorithms which were you know, kind of um you know publishing papers on them and so i uh, i guess there's a car bit of a, I mean, I'd, a couple of times I could have been uh, gone down an academic route and maybe there's a bit scratching the academic itch there a bit at, um, you know, I'd always loved um, um, physics and maths and uh, I'd actually trained as an engineer, but so, the, and this job came up to be a. uh um to actually be kind of a i mean wasn't i wasn't called this but essentially i was kind of an entrepreneur in residence in a in actually a physics department but, but also working in the mathematics department and so that was like a in terms of um technical interest it was just like you couldn't wish for a better job but in terms of the bureaucracy and the uh dealing with the institution it was uh it was pretty horrendous but we you know, I had some great fun. I mean we, you know, worked on five different spin-outs. And this is from a, you know, um a department that never done a spin-out and hadn't really done nothing with universities. So, you know, I worked on quantum computers, I worked on quantum sensors, uh, lots of machining and learning applications and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, nanomaterials, uh, photonics. So it was um, you know, it was like a kid in a candy store in terms of <laughs> uh, technical stuff but um the institution was just driving me nuts to be honest so i had to get out <laughs> and, I, and you know, and a long story short i jumped out with one one of the spin outs that uh I helped to uh, create so
0: uh, and you jumped out because you saw that there is like too much work to do or there's not enough support from universities or what was the main reason if you can name one um, I just
1: uh, yeah, you. just total frustration the bureaucracy and the risk averse nature of the university. I mean, the, th- the, the thing that um what actually catalysed me leaving was I mean, was a graduate process that what catalyzed it was there was another spin out which I'd I'd lined up to do and um which was was actually um a machine learning uh application. It's basically taking technology from the Large Hadron Collider uh and some machine learning technologies and actually commercializing those and the uh. Um, so I was going to jump out with that spin out and the technical guy there uh, was you know asked asked me to be, um you know it was interested in me being the CEO and I said well okay um you know um, I, I I didn't really want to do it and I couldn't find him another uh, somebody else another CEO so I eventually said look okay I'll, I'll I'll do it I'm getting a bit cheesed off and then so I went to the university and said look um um I want to we want to do this spin out uh Soph who's technical stuff wants me to help him and you know obviously we need to raise some money and and um and they said uh, well okay but you can't have any equity and i said well you want me uh, so you want me you know part of my task here is to commercialize research create spin outs and you want me to um and you know i'm you know you want me to create impact and uh and to do that we need to Raise some money if they start, spin out and take it forward. You know we need somebody who's going to lead the business side. But I can't have equity. You know what are the investors going to say? You know, so they're not going to invest in a startup where the CEO, who is hands on full time, has got has got no equity. So this is totally ridiculous. So you know, can you think again? And they thought again. And five months later, they said they said no. Oh, we've we've consulted the committee and and said no, uh, you can't. So so that was the. Uh, that was the the final you know that's uh when they said that that was, that was it and so actually what i ended up doing is I ended up going and joining another spin out which had two guys had already left i'd helped them set them up wrote the business plan and set them up and they were doing uh and they they'd wanted me to, uh, to join them from the start but when the when the other one fell through I, I said um they said okay colin why don't you come and join us so i went out with them uh, obviously
0: like taking that uh, th- that experience, uh, do you think there is a way for universities and a way to show the people who are uh, yeah, making decisions over there, say MNO money is no object, to make more of those uh, spin-offs viable uh, for commercial purposes, or do you uh, don't you see any mm-hmm. uh, future for?
1: Um, a short answer would be no. <laughs> Um, but that's kind of too simplistic i mean you know obviously some some universities have done a better job where they've got more i guess there's more uh, things that can be spun out you know where there's more more resources there and and you know a bit forward looking but um it's um i mean there's so much wastage The you, you the things you hear about the good stories are the spin outs from universities, but there's so many disasters stories and frankly unless you're l- lucky enough to be in one of the universities that have got it right, of which there are very few, or one of the very, you know, uh, very wealthy universities, should we say, um, then the only way you're going to do it as a, 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 an academic is probably to be just to be a maverick and just do it your own way, just, you know, <laughs> do it your own, you know, just just don't work with the institution because they just slow you down and mess you around, um, in ge- as a generalisation. Okay. And then that's sorry, just a, a last point is that, I mean, the, the government, UK government, and and well, I know other governments, but the UK has actually taken a kind of a leading role in this, is actually trying to create incentives for universities to do this by so they actually get financial rewards for what's called uh, uh, impact, which includes spin, uh, spin outs. But so they've actually really tried, but those incentives aren't, aren't, aren't working. And frankly, I don't, I can't see that they will work. I mean, this kind of, you know, kind of good intentions and a good try but it's um you know it's there's a lot of wastage
0: okay uh, thank you very much for uh, those insights um what's next for moji like what's what's your next steps basically mm-hmm. what are you going to do the rest of this day after this recording hire a marketing team uh yeah. additional technology people like what yeah. what's next
1: yeah what's next for magique so yeah i'm not sure what's next today but uh every day is uh interesting and different um but i mean we're we're actually so we're in the process of actually or expanding our, our service by 50 so we've just a uh, uh, the ships just arrived from taiwan with our new, uh, in rotterdam with our new servers on so they hopefully will be getting those soon and we put those into the data so we've got uh, uh, maps which we haven't got yet which will be rolling out um in the next couple of months we've got a new uh, expanded news product which with some some new innovations in which I don't want to talk about now but that's going to be interesting to see how that works and then most importantly i guess the we're in first of march we're going live with well not uh, not publicly with, with our first set of advertisers, so um, so we're going to having you know search advertising, obviously, but without tracking. So it's like you know, um, you know, I mean, there's this false dichotomy but that you, you can ha- you can have ads and privacy. It is possible, right? And particularly with search, and so uh, we've got some initial advertisers that we'll be starting to uh, to be partnering with in uh, from March, and uh, uh, be interested to see that go how that goes because you know if you want to do search. Um, advertising right now you've only got two places to go it's google or microsoft right so we'll be a third alternative and we've got people who are approaching us now saying look you know um, we we'd like to advertise with you um so it's going to be uh, interesting a uh, few months ahead to see how that uh, that how that um, uh, shapes up
0: yeah, i'm uh, definitely interested uh, to see and maybe at that point circle circle back in uh, in a couple of months to see how that uh, how that is going what is quite often heard advice that you've gotten but actually you are not agreeing with when it comes to uh, startups or building a, a company or product
1: um yeah What? Well, so you mean like common advice which i don't necessarily agree with um yes yeah so i mean one one that's always come up a lot is um i'm um, i don't think it's about advice but you often hear probably more from entrepreneurs than from advisors about like you can't find a d- domain name um, you know, I mean I've I've yet to I mean I've I've helped a lot of people actually find domain names at dot com, which they you know, when they didn't think they'd get one. I mean there's just lack of imagination there. So if you can't find one, it's 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 probably a lack of imagination. Um what else? Uh yeah, a very common one. I guess this is a I guess this is kinda of what was a favourite one at YC, I don't know, certainly with PGE, I don't know if it is now, but um, you know, you need to you I would say you don't need to start a company with friends um that's uh you know that seems to be a common bit of advice, which i don't necessarily agree with uh, i mean there is i'm not saying there isn't value in that uh, and I, um but you know i think it's a bit closed minded um i guess another one actually i guess this would come from particularly with the technology transfer background and also is, is about and often this you'll hear this from from let's say naive investors uh is like, you know you got you always got to patent stuff you must patent stuff i mean that's i think patents sometimes it's good to, sometimes it's good to patent sometimes it's a very bad idea to patent um yeah so that's three things
0: okay and what's something that's not a secret but most people don't know about you uh
1: well there's plenty of things that are secret <laughs> but um yeah so yeah yeah i guess one i guess one of the things that projects i really enjoyed working on this is going way back into the uh into the 90s right but um i spent several years um doing r and d and supporting engineers who were working on the international space station design and that was people in you know worldwide in japan russia europe us uh, UK. So we were looking at one, the biggest engineering problem, the industrial space station was space debris impacts the, was concerned about punches from space debris. And so there's a massive program went on looking into the design of that. And so I did a lot of work on that. And so, yeah, which was uh, was, was great fun. And I managed, uh, you know, one of the bonuses of that, is that I got to fin- uh, visit all the uh, space research station, um, main space research centers around the world. And Work with the engineers who were working on on those problems. Um, um, so yeah, that was uh people that you know who weren't uh, that have worked with me since wouldn't wouldn't know I was working on that stuff back in the nineties. Mm.
0: You've uh, definitely uh, uh, been around uh, on different levels of technology, but also in different levels of the uh, uh, of the globe. If there's one thing you want people to take away from this talk, what is it?
1: One thing. I'm only allowed one, is that right? Uh, yeah,
0: a, you're <laughs> only one
1: allowed one. Yeah, yes. okay. Um okay, well if you're doing a startup, um, um uh, you will have at least one near death experience. I'm not I'm not gonna okay. meet a startup which didn't have a near death experience. I mean you, if i uh, if I haven't heard about it, it's because they you know they don't want to tell tell you about it. Um everybody goes through it. So, you know, when you go through that Valley of Death. I guess is, is the expression. You know, just know that every everybody else has been through it. Uh, you're not unique.
0: Okay, thank you very much. I want to thank you for your valuable insights and sharing of your lessons learned in startups. For the listeners, although the rating system of podcasts is hideous, if you like this Maya Cooper series, you can rate this podcast with five stars as a ma- motivation for the makers. Uh, thank you for Copy Ventures for making this series possible. Any suggestions on guests? In the show notes, there is ways to contact us. Uh, This is Jeffrey Brewer and go out and build something meaningful. Thank you, Colin.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey.